Welcome to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're discussing Hayao Miyazaki's 2008 film Ponyo. The film follows five-year-old Sasuke who develops a relationship with Ponyo, a young goldfish princess who longs to become human after falling in love with him. This film forsakes the denser fantasy storytelling of Miyazaki's two previous films, Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, for a fairy tale targeted at a younger audience, with very young protagonists, a simpler animation style, and a less involved plot. Now, Trevor, you usually enjoy the more serious side of the Ghibli canon. Did you find this movie a little bit too twee, or were you able to, like with My Neighbor Totoro, tap into your inner child and enjoy all the pretty colors and designs? To be honest, like uh, within the first 20 minutes, I kind of I kind of understood what I was going to get from this film. And so, uh, you, like you pointed out, I tend to like my denser films. I tend to like things that challenge me when I'm watching them. But if I, if I understand the, if you, if you lay out the expectations for me early on, uh, which I feel like this, this film does very well in the beginning of, of what, what I'm going to get out of it, I can suspend those beliefs and I don't have to necessarily, I don't know, I mean, I can, I can watch a film for pure entertainment sake and not have to get something super dense out of it. And I think that this movie um, achieves that pretty well. Uh, I, I like things that have, you know, fantastical elements to it. And I've, I love that this movie has, you know, the whole the whole touch of magic to it. Um, but it is interesting that you you know, bring up my neighbor Totoro because that's a that's a good a good kind of foil piece. And, but 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 they have some big differences to that. Well, I remember when I watched for the first time, I feel like I was a little bit underwhelmed. I think I mean because we I, we just sort of come off of you know Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, and you know that it was at pretty rare to get a new. Um, Miyazaki directed film at that time and this was his second last as well but I couldn't help but feeling yeah a little bit underwhelmed with what was happening it was I mean I didn't mind that it was quite simple and like not a lot happened like I I, I can appreciate a movie that's just like a fun world to spend a little bit of time in and have some cute things happen and have some you know cool designs and some pretty action scenes but I just remember it getting to the end of the movie in a film that didn't really have much of a driving plot and the way that it sort of tried to wrap up everything in that sort of, you know, the final sequences with the mother, I was just getting very confused that it sort of, it seemed like it was, they were trying to make it build up to something, even though it was in the end, pretty inconsequential. The whole thing about, oh, you know, if you say you love him, the world won't end kind of thing. It just seemed mm-hmm. like a very unnecessary way to get there. They could have just asked him earlier in a, you know, before they drown the world. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I remember getting to the end of my, oh, that's kind of, oh, that, that's how we're going to play with this film. So I, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, but I think similarly to how you found like a third of the way through the, like your understanding of what this film was going to be. I think on, this is the third time I've watched this. I think more and more, I just enjoy it for what it is. And then without trying to sort of. Um, you know, compare it to anything that had come before or to sort of expect much in the way of, um, you know, development or plot or, you know, something larger than, you know, these couple kids running around doing some fun things with magic. So, yeah, I I enjoy it more than I did the first time, but I still don't, I don't really equate it to being um, one of, you know, one of his great films. It's a, you know, it's a cute, 
It's a cute little thing. It's a cute little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned Totoro before. I'm just curious because I know what you enjoyed about that movie was that it kind of worked on two levels. You had sort of the serious, you know, their mum might have cancer kind of things and these girls sort of, you know, dealing with their, you know, single father and, you know, life in an agrarian setting. And then you had the fun sort of magical stuff for the kids and it it would sort of work on two levels, like, you know, from perhaps an Mm -hmm. adult perspective and from a, a kid's perspective. Whereas this seems to work mostly sort of on one level and it's not really going very deep. Did you find that, did, could you sense that missing from the movie and did you feel like that, you know, maybe, you know, downgrades it a little bit for you? Oh, definitely. Like in the uh, kind of piggybacking off of how I mentioned within the first 20 minutes, I kind of had suspended, not belief, but I had suspended expectations of like, this is what I'm going to get out of the film. I always kind of, I mean, I will always hope for a film to operate in those, both those realms. Cause I think I find those films to be the, the, the most rich films, the films that I get a lot about out of where you can get, you know, a popcorn quote unquote movie out of something, but you can also get something that challenges uh, your expectations and your, your world view. And, um, I mean, we've we've kind of beat the dead horse that is my neighbor Totoro to death through its own episode and through a retrospective. But the fact that it can exist in both those realms to me makes it one of my favorite films. Um, this one definitely doesn't as exist in b- both as much. Uh, we don't we don't we don't get as rich character development. Um, it's more of a. I think it's interesting that you you positioned this film as being one after a couple of uh, Miyazaki's epic films being spirited away and Howl's moving castle. And this one definitely feels kind of like a palate cleanser. It feels like something that's very geared towards young kids. It's not this grand, big epic story. It's very, very simple. Um, there's not a lot that actually happens. Uh, and I think it, both to its advantage and to its disadvantage, because as you get towards the end, it kind of falls apart a little bit to me, not to make the film not, it doesn't make the film not understandable, but it makes the film kind of like, Oh, where were we going with some of Mm. this stuff? And, um, there's less consequential, less consequential. And I've, and I've kind of noticed this with the last few films is that a struggle to wrap up the ending in a very meaningful way. And I struggle with the third act. And mm-hmm. um, this one definitely kind of feels like that, especially with like this, oh, if Sasuke loves Ponyo, then Ponyo will be a girl. And the, there was there's conflict between Ponyo's father and the mother, but there's not really. Like they hang out with each other. And they're like totally fine being around each other. Um, yeah, there's, there's aspects of it that don't quite make sense to me. But... It's still, it's definitely not one of the films that I've watched so far that I'd be like, oh, I would never watch that one again. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I could watch this one. I could watch this one for entertainment. And I think, I mean, as nerdy as it sounds, I love like magic and stuff like that. So I kind of get excited for like the different aspects of the magic and that. Um, but I could, the, 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 those fun sequences and those things that kind of propel the story to, uh, along are fun. And it yeah, did well. Oh, sorry. One last thing, but as well with like, there's, there's that aspect of world building, but not explaining the rules again to us that, that exists in this movie as well. I mean, I don't quite understand how they breathe underwater 
uh, I get, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to suspend that belief because it's magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they're blowing, the bubbles are coming out of their mouths, but they get yeah, the breathing out of the water. And I, yeah, but then like the old ladies are able to be younger and more jovial and can run a lot. I don't, I don't really get the rules, but I'm fully buying into it. It's fine. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is, I guess the one benefit of his films. Of, of his obvious kind of lack of concern for, you know, narrative and plot is that by sort of, you know, shortchanging us in that sense, he gives us more time to spend just enjoying, you know, beautiful scenes and like putting time into the scenes where it's really all it is is, you know, beautiful, well-designed things happening on screen for us. So if I have to forsake, same with, you know, How's Moving Castle. There's so much happening in that movie. I mean, and there's obviously mm-hmm. a lot more plot in that too, but mm-hmm. you can tell he he speeds up plot when he needs to get something out of the way, but he'll spend a lot of time with, you know, just Sophie having a tea by the lake. And similar to here, he spent a lot of time just in the living room, um, you know, with Lisa and Ponyo and Susuke just eating food. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, you know, you you know from watching any of these movies what, his main concern is, and it's never really going to be the plot machinations. So they, they, they often come off as a bit sloppy or last minute, like, like unthought, you know, not thought through very well, but obviously we we're reaping the benefit of that by just having so many beautiful scenes of like amazing creatures, just even at the end when they're like, they're on the boat and they're just like all these, you know, prehistoric, you know, or Cambrian, whatever, um, creatures like wandering around. It's like, you know, I would, I'd rather just, I'd rather watch scenes of that than the need to have some sort of complicated mythology about the mother and the father. And like, like in some ways you want to know more, but in some ways it's like, no, 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 that's, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, he mm-hmm. knows that he knows what's important to him and what's not. And that stuff isn't. And, you know, same with me. I wouldn't have wanted more scenes of exposition really, you know, yeah. Um, but that's something he always um, struggles with. I think sort of that balance of like a satisfying movie visually, emotionally, and um, narratively. Agreed. Agreed. But, and I think that w- one of the advantages though, for this film in particular is not, is not setting up it, it up as mm. an epic. It doesn't take itself as seriously. Like everything feels a little bit lower stakes to me. Everything feels a little bit more young and a little bit more slapsticky. So I'm not, I'm not, not waiting for like death to ensue or like, you know, the world to end. Although, you know, the the things that do happen in the film would bring about death and carnage and the world ending, but they don't, they don't, they don't present it in a light of like, Oh, this is something big to, to focus on. I mean, they completely drown that entire town and all the people in the boats are like super happy and just like, Oh, or do you need help? Do you want a sandwich? Do you, are you hungry? Like, it's not, they're not, not even the characters are taking it seriously. And so I'm willing to, you know, suspend, suspend my seriousness while watching the film. <laughs> so do you actually think that they might've left some people to die there? The people, oh. <laughs> oh, people are dead. Like they completely <laughs> have been drowned. They're dead. There would be dead bodies floating up and like everywhere and in those trees, but they're not, like, and that's okay. And the strange scene with like all the ships kind of tipped over as well. Yeah. Are they, did like, everyone die on that? Or did when, the, when she went under, they magically like, were able to survive that whole time they're just breathing out those bubbles they're fine yeah the magic is suspending all beliefs yeah no so it's easier to 
yeah, if it had presented itself, like you said, and been more focused on like the mythology or like there's this big grand story to it of why Ponyo wants to be a human and, and it isn't as kind of like jovial and just fun in general, mm. I would have much more issues with this movie than I do just watching it for, you know, entertainment sake. Yeah. Well, let's dive in um, a little bit deeper. What did you think of the characters in this movie? Um, I guess both the ones that from the underground, from the you know underwater world, and then also mm-hmm. the human world. I don't think the characters are that complex. They all feel very. I don't want to say that they're not dynamic and they're not, there's not change and there isn't some character arc. Like, but there's there's very little. Like, and I think that has to do with you know what 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 is the story and where do you, where where do we start in point A and we got to point B and not a, not a lot really happens and so the characters don't feel as complex to me i don't really think of any of these characters and they wouldn't they wouldn't make my top list of any of my favorite characters in any of the studio ghibli films mm. um and, and the, i think that has to do with there's not a lot of their characterization or aspects of the character that seem very specific to the characters in this film so yeah even ponyo like ponyo seems very i mean yes there's an arc and there's a choice to make and there's a changing from a fish to a human girl but even then it's not very i can't tell you who ponyo is by the end of the film is what i mean like i don't really know anything about her her as a character yeah that's fair i don't think the plot is really asking a lot from these characters yeah and Um, i think there's there's something kind of um echoed in the sense that there are kind of like hundreds of ponios i know there's only Mm. one ponio but there are hundreds of them and there could be hundreds of these stories told and i mean this has nothing to do with what i'm talking about right now but i think it's so funny the all of the ponios sound like like pokemon like little toga (laughs) like and i know this came out after pokemon but i just kept thinking about toga like the entire time (laughs) (laughs) Toga P especially, okay. Yeah, literally Toga P. I was like, what the fuck? And like, I had to think about it for a while too. I was like, which Pokemon is that? Because it's been years for me. Anywho, beaten off the path. But there are certain characters that, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's simple or, Mm. I mean, other than the fact that the movie is pretty simple. I just don't want the characters, I don't want to say that the characters are flat. They're not flat. Like, Mm. even the father, he has, he's trying to protect his daughter's innocence. And so there's, there's some larger dynamic there, but the, but the film in and of itself isn't very concerned with exploring that dynamic in any, any serious sense. Um, just, I mean, I, I'm not that big a fan of Ponyo herself, but I guess in defense of her, it does seem like not only does she kind of learn to be a human, but she learns to have like a personality to have a will to have mm-hmm. interests. I feel like she's, she basically starts from a blank slate and then by becoming human, she's kind of, she's like develop, you know, she's developing very quickly in herself. Like, I think the, I mean, of course there are the scenes where she's like actually learning like human things, like with Sasuke and he's, she's like following him around and, you know, learning the humanly pleasures of like tea and ramen and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's also this kind of strange scene, like maybe three quarters in when she meets the baby and she's sort of, she has, she's like developing like it's true. the will to nurture as like, well. What is this? Which is very interesting. She keeps, she wants to feed the baby. And then when she realizes that the baby can only, you know, drink, you know, milk from the mom, she wants to feed the mom and she wants to be sort of a caretaker. And obviously we don't, we don't really see what her arc becomes because we only spend 
really like a couple of days with her. But I thought that's kind of interesting that it's bothering to develop her in that way and to for her to see her, I guess, not only the nurturing element, but I guess just a sense of humanity um, and caring about others, um, which maybe she hasn't really had to do. I mean, really, she kind of left all of her sisters behind to like <laughs> to do her own kind of thing or whatever they are. Um, so I, I could appreciate that you could see the steps of um, being you know, built um, for her humanity and her sense of, you know, caring for others and wanting to nurture um, other characters mm-hmm. as well. well. Well, and it's kind of, uh, this movie kind of feels like an origin story because it really is. Like it's an origin story of Ponyo, but then it's also the end as well because Ponyo decides to be human. So like there could have, this movie could have gone in, you know, a lot of different directions of like, this is how Ponyo became to be. And then this is how Ponyo is before Ponyo becomes a, a, a human um, but I agree. There's there's definitely an aspect of that of uh, growth within mm. her her humanity. She's learning humanity in that moment. So yeah, I, I mean, hate, and, and oh, go on. No, I mean, I was gonna make a quippy little comment. I just hate how I hate how derpy her face gets when she, <laughs> she when she does her magic. Like it bothered me so much. <laughs> so critical. She's thinking. I know, but like it ugh, made me sick. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say is we probably can't. It's. It's. I think. I think I said similar things with my neighbor Totoro. It's hard for you know we can't expect too much from the characterization of children almost because again they don't really have that time. Like same with to um you know develop their own personality sort of. Same with um Sosuke. He's like he's cute. Like he's he's fine, but you know he's just like a kid. Like he's mm-hmm. defined by his kiddiness. Um, and you know, and like he's he seems like a nice kid, but you know he's he's not a little shit. But you know, <laughs> not, you know it's sort of hard to expect sort of much more development there. I think um, that in a, like a, I don't know. I think if you don't take yourself, my my argument against that would be Grave of the Fireflies. Like, there's a lot of intense development with those two young kids, and so I don't think that that you can't do it. I just think that it's a it's a choice that they didn't want to make that it wasn't. Mm. So it's not as important, but I think that like it is important that you hinted at it. Is that they're, they're, they're at least laying, laying an interpretation out there that is, that is worth exploring on your own without having to be like, Oh, we're going to take this so seriously and focus in on the, the, the character arc and growth of, of her. I mean, he, he's, he's not without character. He's obviously a very loving person. Like he takes, you know, he takes this, goldfish and then like falls in love with it instantly even though, you, know, <laughs> you know and he wants to show her the world and he wants to teach her things um yeah so he's not he's fine um i, I was gonna say on the character perspective i do enjoy lisa the mum. i think she's kind of fun and spunky and mm-hmm. you know as much time as we're given with her which is you know, really only a short amount of time kind of it's little in the you know the first maybe half hour of the movie but she sort of um you know, sets herself apart, I think, from, you know, previous, you know, motherly characters in these films. She's a lot more, yeah, she has a lot more spark. And, you know, she's obviously a very busy mom who has to sort of look after this kid by herself, but also very loving. Um, and I really enjoy the scenes sort of early on with, her, like, whipping you know, communicating with, with the, um, sorry? Instead of her whipping around the mountain in her car. Well, there's that. She's also, okay, she's a bit <laughs> reckless in that sense. She's probably not a great mom. Um from a safety perspective. Um, but just like, you know, the scenes with the, um, 
when they're trying to communicate with the dad and she's like angry at him because you know he broke his promise to sort of come back and then sort of the 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 banter from a distance kind of thing that sort of happens after that and i also like the idea that she kind of she's loving but she also lets um sasuke be be independent and trust that he can look after himself you know she's not a coddling mother either and the only other thing i was going to say was um similar to a lot of ghibli films the you know there's no real villain obviously the um ponyo's father has he some of his actions could be seen as villainous but it's all coming from a place of love and fear that um you know his daughter is going to be exploited or you know killed or leave him um so i can i can appreciate that even though maybe he was trying to destroy the world by bringing on (laughs) the next cambrian evolution like it's it's there there are worse you know there are worse things to do i suppose and his intentions are understandable (laughs) if not um necessarily generous to humans yeah no one seemed to appear to have died so even though the mass flooding all over the world but it seems like everyone survived so we can we can give him a slap on the wrist and move on let, let, let's say they let's say they all survived <laughs> did you have a Thank favorite character so. in in this um my favorite character was definitely lisa or her dad her dad like freaked me out um <laughs> Pony is dad, hate, yeah sorry yes yes pony is dad i hate like can't stand that image of him like walking up the hill with the at first of like, <laughs> like, like weed spray like like a roundup and he's like spraying everything. And I was just like, Oh, you're, you look menacing and his sunken dark eyes. Um, but I loved this scene where he kind he, he got Ponya back and he went, went back to his, I don't know, underwater rock later that again, I don't really understand the, the air and keeping the water out. Cause then Ponya kind of messes that up and the water comes in, but then there's bubbles inside of it as well. I'm not really understanding how the magic works, but I love that whole scene. And in him, I don't know, drinking all the vials of potions and whatnot. So I, I like I, I liked the scenes with him, um, and then Lisa. She was just, man, her whipping around those corners in the car, like it shit, like stressed me out. Like I thought they were gonna get in a car wreck at some point in the movie. They should have. They should have. They died should have many times. Yeah. She's on like two wheels at all moments, going around those bends, <laughs> and I'm like, this is nuts. Well, before we get to um, the animation style and the visual elements, um, did you have any thoughts on this story? Did you did you enjoy the story? Did you think it was you know well put together and well written, or did you have any thoughts on that? Um, I thought it was okay. Like it was very very simple, and it kind of you kind of we have kind of mentioned it kind of falls apart for me a little bit towards the end because I'm not I'm just not really understanding how are these choices made what are the rules behind the choices i in particularly really don't understand ponyo's mom and how she interacts with the father and what their relationship is and i get that that's maybe not the the point of the story it's more so about ponyo's journey but if you're going to bring this character and i kind of want to understand the decisions that are made and 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 how this will stop the end of the world if Ponyo decides to become mm-hmm. a human. I don't know. So I don't particularly care about the story, but it was a fun little journey and um, not one of my least favorite Studio Ghibli films. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, with the mother, I obviously just needed some element that could yeah. clean things up pretty quickly. No questions asked. I'll oh, just make her a giant 
with like yeah. goddess or something. I did enjoy the. Um, there's a fairly good. I mean, because it takes place. One of the benefits of taking place in such a small sort of set of locations is I think it has a very good sense of place, kind of like above ground. There's really just the house, and then there's um, where the the school and the old people are. You know, we get a sense of where they are to each other. Yeah, we get you know a good sense of this little town, even though we don't really spend much time there. You know, we know it's on the water. We know there's like a thing they have to go through, and then um, that the ship is also pulled across, like in order to get from one side of the town to the other. Um, I do enjoy sort of, you know, without, without having to do, do too much work, there's like a cute sense of world building and um, a sense of place. And, and again, underground, sorry, underground, I keep saying that, underwater where, um, you know, Ponyo and Ponyo's dad lives. That's like a very well, like cutely rendered, like little world. Like he's got his weird, like swimming devices and then mm-hmm. the weird bubbles and like the potions and all like the mat or like the beautiful sort of masses of sort of fish and sea life that kind of, you know, suck themselves to the side of this thing in order to get like (laughs) weird powers. And also I think it's, um, I'm trying to think, because he kind of goes back and forth between films set in a a traditionally European setting and sort of a, a, you know, more of a modern Japanese setting. And this one feels like it's more of a Japanese setting. Both, I mean, if you look at, I mean, it's not that obvious, but if you look there, are, you know, all the signs of the buildings and things like that in Japanese, like they're eating very traditionally Japanese food. You know, there's none of the, you know, just eggs and bacon kind of thing. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're making ramen, they're having, you know, that kind of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, he doesn't do many films set in sort of, you know, modern day Japan. I guess that's sort of... Um, or I guess in any world, you know, often, often, you know, usually they're in some sort of magical world, but this feels a little bit more Japanese than say Kiki's delivery service, which feels more European. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Or, or did you get a sense of it, it being a Japanese location? Yeah. Especially, I mean, a lot of his movies take place next to the water, but the water kind of like helped establish that. And I agree. And like even having like the school next to the senior center and the, from his mother working at the senior center, even those aspects of it felt very much more, culturally aligned with mm. with that yeah i don't think yeah western people don't really care about the elderly Nah, you wouldn't put them next to the water yeah no you, well, <laughs> you, you, you push them into it right? yeah. why would you why would you give them a beachfront property <laughs> oh my god so true right send them <laughs> off to the terrible send them inland <laughs> they had a good time um <laughs> yeah well, well okay well then what are your thoughts on the animation? Yeah, from the beginning, you must have clued into that um, the sort of the, the style and the you know the, the level of detail that had been sort of building, you know, through Mononoke, Spirited Away, um, House Moving Castle had very much shifted in this. What, what were your immediate thoughts, and like how would you sort of characterize the animation? Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I think you position that very well. I wouldn't expect. After I've seen those films and know what knowing what years those films took place, I would have actually aged this film a little bit prior to like a Spirited Away or House Movie and Castle. Like it feels like it would have come before it for those reasons. But then when I think about there's still that intense when they want to to focus on specific details that are so very, very rich and beautiful. It's even just like that opening sequence of like all the jellyfish coming out. And when it kind of like zooms into very smaller moments and you can see the very, very, very teeny jellyfish 
but then those jellyfish are just like specks and different shots. And so there's a lot of like attention to that kind of detail that is so rich and beautiful. And then, and then anything to do with the water, I think that like the, just the water moments are everything. And especially them being in the boat and like looking down at the water, I mean, the clearest water in the goddamn world, mm-hmm. but uh, I enjoy it for me uh, seeing all the sea creatures underneath it. And I had written down one of my favorite, you know, sh- shots was them waking up um, in the morning and the, the waters at their doorstep. Yeah. And then looking out and just seeing all the creatures and some of the, and how the fish like use the roads, like mm. <laughs> which I found hilarious, but it was so beautiful to watch them. I'm like, Oh, let's go down this road path because it's for us now. Um, so yeah, there's, but it definitely it kind of felt a little bit more muted and uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, certain, certain aspects of the animation, but when it wanted to have great detail, it has great detail. How do you feel yeah. about it? No, I feel like, I mean, obviously it's a very conscious choice. It's not just, it's not like a movie. It's not like it had a, I mean, maybe it had a smaller budget, but it's not like out of necessity that it looks different or that the images are sort of less defined, less detailed. The detail is there, but it's like the attention to detail is put into making it look not perfect or, you know, like, or, you know, a bit of a sketched in quality, like a kid has got like a, watercolor pencil and kind of filled in the edges kind of thing because like if you know if you look at them it's not it's not obvious straight away but if you look at any shot there are really no straight lines everything even if you're in the kitchen like the oven's kind of like this you know and like Mm -hmm. the doors are kind of like this it's obviously a child couldn't draw this but it's made to kind of mimic that sort of imperfect style and that's sort of a simpler softer kind of design on everything the like the humans are still well designed they don't they don't feel like they're not like they don't revert to stick figures or anything that that part feels kind of a piece with what had come before but everything else yeah it just has that little bit of a you know sheen of imperfection and like there's you know you know instead of having a thousand lines it might have like 500 lines to represent these things mm-hmm. um, but that's its own kind of beauty there um, and even though i may appreciate the craft more of a movie like how's moving castle because obviously not only is it a much longer film, but there's so many different locations, so many different characters, so many different backgrounds that would have taken a lot longer and more people and more money to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, you couldn't say this was just like a thrown off effort either. There's obviously yeah, a lot no. of effort gone into it and to sort of abandon some of the crutches that they've um, used before, like the last, those last three movies that he did and even, and the other ones that, um, like Tales from Earthsea, they all had an element of CG as well with like, mm-hmm. you know, those sort of like push-in shots that they like to use. There's none of that here. Like there's an effort to keep this kind of pure, like a pure, you know, sense of what animation is um, at a time when basically no other studio would have used, you know, hand-drawn animation at all. You know, yep. it's very much like a love letter to the craft of that as well and to to a kind of film that a kid could appreciate because they can see the textures and they could feel like, oh, you know, if I was a good drawer, I could draw this. So I appreciate that, even though I don't, yeah, like I said, I don't enjoy the craft as much because Mm -hmm. there's less needed in some sense. Um, I still think it's, there's a lot of beauty there. And like I said before, the film spends a lot of time on just those fun, beautiful things. Agreed. Well, you you already started talking about your favorite shots and sequences. Do you want to head into that? 
I do. Um, I think definitely my favorite overall sequence was the when all the the magic was unleashed. Like that whole debacle scene of Ponya kind of breaking out, um, getting the water rushing her up through the stairs, and then all of the water going into that hole, and then golden fish coming out and bigger fish mm-hmm. coming out. It's just that it's kind of like that pivotal prime. Uh oh, Pandora's box. Who's opened Pandora's box? All hell's breaking loose, kind of thing. And what's what's going to come of this? Um, yeah, super exciting. Love that. And then <laughs> my favorite shot would just probably be any of the shots from the very beginning of the father kind of like orchestrating this moment with all these creatures around him um, or maybe not even orchestrating, but like just being in the midst of all that. Um, I thought it was just so, yeah, incredibly beautiful. And then, you know, the hijinks that Ponyo gets up to mm-hmm. kind of forcing her brothers and sisters back into the into the cave as, as she escapes um yeah how about you i mean i think I, I love all those elements of it and i do appreciate the spectacle and you know when things kind of erupt and everything um and there's, there's obviously so much you know again there's that's so well done but I, f- I feel like most of my favorite sequences were the quieter ones um you know like I think I've always said I enjoy sort of the, that Ghibli films take the time to enjoy sort of like the simple pleasures of life, especially from a kid's perspective, which um, a lot of, you know, Western animation doesn't. Like kids are always very precocious and, you know, they've always got like, you know, their phone out and, um, you know, they're making s- snarky, sarcastic comments. Whereas like in, you know, in Ghibli films, they're usually quite pure, you know, um, in their sort of childlike sense of wonder. And I always enjoy that. Um, but I feel like two scenes that, that I probably love the most beyond sort of the visual splendor are like the one early in, early on when I probably mentioned it before where they're communicating with the father, um, you know, via the sort of lights and she's like really pissed mm-hmm. and she's like throwing her, like she like smacked the fridge or something and she gets a beer and it like foams everywhere. And then she's <laughs> like talking to the dad, the dad's trying to be sweet and um, Suski's trying to like make nice between them. And she's just like, calling him a jerk over the thing. I just, it's just such a, it's a cute sequence that sort of, it sort of gives a very quick sort of shorthand to these characters and then how they all sort of relate with each other. Um, and the other scene I love is when Ponyo has just sort of become, or she's becoming more of a girl than before. And they, you know, she comes into the house and they're, um, and Lisa sort of giving them sort of like, like I was saying for like tea and ramen for the first time and just sort of watching Ponyo sort of, observe human behavior and then learn to sort of you know appreciate those eating and like and then you know when she gets kind of sleepy after eating and like <laughs> just all those things I really, I really love those things um but obviously the sh- my favorite shots aren't those because they're not very special from a you know visual perspective there's so many I, I couldn't even I could barely tell you. you you mentioned one before when they sort of open the door and it's just sort of like the house surround like as an island basically even though they're at the top of the hill that's a really beautiful shot so many shots of like the beautiful creatures you mm-hmm. know underwater. um that kind of ship graveyard scene like not you know what i mean like where the ships were sort of on the horizon you couldn't tell what they were and then like, they just look like a bunch of lights you thought it was a city you know it's 
it's like a toned down version almost of that like Porco Rosso scene where they're seeing like in the sky all the you know, the graveyard of um, planes basically and this is like a ship graveyard kind of thing um, and yeah there's just so many beautiful shots around um, when they're escaping the ways I wrote one shot Lisa's kind of like carrying and they're quite exciting as well like there's you know you're like will they make it kind of thing getting away from the waves she's like sort of carrying like Ponyo and Sosuke up to the house and there's just like a sunset in the background and the waves are crashing like there's just like a bunch of beautiful shots like that that's just one I noted um but yeah they're probably I just I just named basically all the shots in the movie (laughs) shall we rate let's rate Okay, so let's get to our Miyazaki criteria. So we're giving these five criteria um, points out of two. So by the end, we'll have out of 10 um, uh, a rating for how how much of a traditional Miyazaki film this is. So let's start with strong female, strong or complex female characters. Out of two, what did you give it? Um, I give it a one. And I'm, I'm taking it, you want me to elaborate? Um, it's not that I don't think that it's not that I don't think that that they're necessarily less strong than the male counterparts. I just don't find any of the characters in this movie to be that strong, and so I, I mean, there's definitely like this like choice to become not a fish anymore and to become a human, and 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 there's an aspect of of even Sasuke's mother being a very strong, you know. Uh, she knows what she wants. She knows, she knows what she expects out of life. And so I value those aspects. But other than that, there's just not, no one's that strong to me in this film. So I give it a one. Yep, that's fair. I I gave it two because I still think there's enough character development put into Lisa and Ponyo. And then also all the old ladies at the, you know, they. I mean, they don't have a lot of time, but they all they're all given sort of, you know, slightly different characterizations for the five minutes that we spend with them. And like I said, Lisa is my favorite character in this mm-hmm. film. So I think she's as strong and as complex as you can get with like a film like this. So still give that a two. Um, environmental concerns, add a two. I would give it, oof, I'll give it a two. I'll give it for a, there's two aspects of it going on to me. I think there's an aspect of there was this desire for things to be like they used to be because humans are, are polluting it. There's a lot of, of moments in the very beginning where Ponyo is trying to even just get out of the water or get to the shore. And there's so much trash and like, mm. and uh, sludge. And the, the, I think there's comments have made, like, you know, how disgusting humans are. And, uh, and there's like a, if there was going to be a villain, you would think that it is, you know, Ponyo's father. Cause he's, there's kind of some villainous aspect to him, but he's, he's really just looking out for his daughter, but he's there to kind of make the world, Precambrian before humans kind of made things uh, terrible. And so I think there was a concern with that. I give it a two. Yeah, I gave it a two as well. Um, like initially it's not, it's not too heavy handed. It's kind of just shown in the action, like, you know, in, you know, in situ, like as, as the characters are going through this world, they're seeing, you know, the trash on the ground, you know, he's caught, um, Ponyo's caught in that net and there's all the rubbish and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, or then, the jar. Yeah, the jar. Exactly. Um, but then you know, the father does make it a bit more explicit. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's definitely there. Um, so two for me. Flying machines and flight. The obsession um, with that. I I, I want to give it. I'm going to give it a zero because it's more of like a a submarine machine. <laughs> so like it has kind of wings. Mm. But I'm going to give it a zero. I gave it a zero. Yep. There's <laughs> I was pulling there. I was yeah. pulling. No, you could make the argument that his love of 
those sort of old timey flying machines and sort of translate it to like a submarine kind of thing. But um, I wouldn't count that. <laughs> We've cut you off. Um, and oh no, there's two more. Um, the the power of love. What would you uh, I, give, I give it two because I mean Sasuke has to truly love her, so yeah. I give it two. That's very explicitly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the use of the prevalence of water, boats, island, rivers, etc. I give it a two. <laughs> I don't think I need to explain that one. No, we do not. Shut up. So, what was your overall score? Was it seven? For oh, uh, out of that, yeah. For this, no, seven. for this, yeah, yeah. yeah and mine, mine was eight. And what is your? Do you want to guess? Yeah, I should. I should guess your movie score. Six, five, seven. Yeah, good job. I gave it a seven. What do you think I gave it? I think that you gave it. You probably gave it an eight. Yeah, it's a low eight, um, <laughs> but it's eight nonetheless. If I could give it a seven point seven five, I would. Um, <laughs> and that's up from like a seven that I gave it years and years ago when I first watched it. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a sixteen for me and a fourteen for you. Mm-hmm. Um, before we finish up, do you have any connections that you want to talk about? Any previous Miyazaki or other Ghibli films that you feel sort of connect to this or are very, very different from this in some meaningful way? Um, there's, we kind of already talked about the, my neighbor Totoro stuff, even just from like a, 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 a filmic sense, mm-hmm. there's kind of an aspect of becoming, you could look at Ponyo as not only becoming a human, but also achieving going through adolescence and becoming an adult and breaking away from our father and not, I, there's kind of an aspect of like leaving your your comfort level and going off and becoming something else. And there, I kind of see a little bit of Kiki's delivery service there. But and you know, there's there's also magic that that's mm. that's a part of this. And so I see that. But Kiki's was a little bit more, you know, her becoming a witch herself. So, but I see kind of an aspect of that there. How about you? Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly. I've mostly been sort of relating this to Totoro, both in how they're different and how they're similar. Um, the only random sort of thing was there was a point where they sort of walked through that tunnel, which gave me sort of flashbacks to Spirited Away. Do you remember when the sort of tunnel? That's true. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's that. That's basically it for me. That wraps up our discussion of Ponyo. I will talk to you next time when we do our Naughties retrospective. Naughties. See you then. Mm-hmm. Bye.